I've been practicing meditation for a few months. I feel much calmer, compassionate and thoughtful, but I feel alienated by my family as they think I'm putting on, putting on an act. Any advice? Well, what do you think? Um, I can only speak from personal experience. I don't feel alienated from my family, really. Um, have you tried talking to them? Oh. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, acting normal helps. <laughs> you don't have to act differently as a Buddhist or a meditator. Um, be happy, I think, is the best thing. People want you to be happy. If you're happy, they've got nothing they can say. But if you're calm and quiet, right, it's too conspicuous. So be happy. Laugh a little bit. Smile. Smile a lot. When someone says something nice, smile. I think that's what you learn, is you learn that people expect this, these cues. And you don't have to stop giving those cues. And in fact, no, the point is that you have a responsibility or a duty to give those, to provide those cues. Someone says something funny, um, expecting you to react, you have a responsibility to smile or something. Uh, you know, unless they're saying, ah, I went and beat somebody up, isn't that funny? You know, then in that, that's a case where you purposefully create conflict in order to show something, or you might purposefully create conflict. But otherwise, you want to react appropriately. You don't want to actually react to it and, and find it funny, for example, when they tell a funny joke, but you want to smile and appreciate. And not, not exactly even appreciate, but it, extend your love to them, which is a part of our reactions, our friendliness. I mean, we expect this from each other. Monkeys expect this from each other. Um, and, and they interpret the the facial expressions. We interpret facial expressions um, habitually. So when you're not giving them, yeah, it's going to create conflict. Now, the question is, why are you creating conflict? Do you want to create that conflict? In certain cases, you might. I mean, I try to create that conflict with my students sometimes. When students are getting boisterous and you know talking and chatting and so on, I might come in and look very serious. Uh, really, so, and if students are very upset, you want to seem very buoyant and, and hopeful. You want to give them hope and encouragement. And say, oh, it's not, it's okay. Oh, you're on the right path. Good for you. And so, on. you want to sometimes create conflict. But in in regards to your family, who is antagonistic. Um, no, you, you, for sure, the, the best thing you can do is to. Um, it, it might sound like you seem like you're almost pretending, but you're not. You're and, and you'll get that eventually. It'll come to you one way or the other because right now you're creating conflict, and that's that's a cause for stress. And eventually you'll work that out. So what long-term meditators find is they learn how to give the cues without actually inter uh, interrupting their meditation. So they're able to have conversations with people and not be emotionally affected, not think, oh, I've got to get out of here. These people are boring the hell out of me. No, they'll be like, this is suffering, and well, but everything's suffering. Right? So 
Right? You, you know, they'll be happy and they'll think of it as a meditation. This conversation is a meditation for me. Okay, another Owen. question. Oh, Owen. Sorry. I just wonder if Owen has any thoughts on how to deal with um, family. Well, my family pretty good about everything, so I haven't met any uh, obstructions, just questioning and why and stuff like that. Uh, uh, and then confusion on traditions, because everyone, uh, when you say about being a Buddhist, they go, well, what does the Dalai Lama think about this and that? And I'm like, well, <laughs> I don't really pay much attention to the Dalai Lama. And then I uh, explain that there are different teachings and I don't follow that kind of teaching. Um, but uh, like I say, a lot of the interaction I have with family is curiosity, questioning, and, and on my part is education. Um, and from time to time I do read uh, different discourses and um, Dharma and I, I do read to different family members and friends who are interested on different topics and find that very interesting. Um, but yeah, on the whole it's all pretty good. What would you recommend that, to someone who doesn't what would you recommend to someone who doesn't have that? Um, positive interaction. Who, so in this case, has some sort of stress and conflict? I think it would be depending on what you're promoting outwards. <clears throat> um, if you're not kind of explaining your actions. Um, if you're not taking part in in big family events or you're not sitting around watching a family movie together anymore things like that um, mm. you know if you it depends if you if you're I would say if you're following precepts if you're sticking to the five precepts and you're trying to stay away from certain aspects um, I would say in a family situation uh, that would be you know interesting as such that one minute you were you were doing it all the time and now you're not doing it at all so why have you stopped doing that um, I think that's mostly where some of the problems occur when you go from living your life in one one way and then you f kind of flick a switch and you're no longer you're no longer participating as much as you were um, yeah, I think everyone's different in every situation. So, yeah, I don't. I don't think it's wrong necessarily that 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 you're creating this conflict. But you have to understand what you're doing when you create the conflict, because it's leading you somewhere. It's leading you away from your family. Is your intention to become a monk and go and live in the forest? Well, that's probably where you're heading with this sort of behavior, or it's the direction that you're heading, and that would um, be the appropriate move to make based on, on, you know, if you choose to act in this way. Because once you're a monk living off in the forest, then, yeah, you really can get away with acting in that way, uh, acting aloof, acting reserved. 
you know, and and with, and if your family doesn't like it, well, it's it's really no skin off your back because you're a monk living off in the forest. Um, but if your decision is to remain, or or if you know you you your situation is such that you have to stay with your parents, then it's not really to any point to create this this stress. I mean, unless you. You know, it, it's it's functionally wrong. It's not it's not like you have bad intentions toward them, but you're creating stress based on on the incongruity of it, and it's going to break things up. Um, it might encourage your family to meditate more, but it might cause them to turn away. It can actually be a uh, too hard for them. So the point is, you have to an arahant, for example, acts appropriately in every situation and understands clearly what to how to how to deal with with individual people you can't deal with everyone the same so for some people acting reserved and aloof is is a bad thing you know if a person is already antagonistic and suppose it's a family member who thinks you're being brainwashed well to act like as though you're brainwashed is probably not going to uh, endear you or your practice to them if on the other hand you're you're uh, um, open and interactive with them, you might very well bring them around and 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 be able to at least come to some sort of harmony, some level of harmony with them. Um, so yeah, what I w I would suggest is take each situation uh, as as distinct and try to act appropriately. If you want to create tension in certain situations in order to help people understand how their behaviors are causing problems for them and for other people, sometimes conflict can be useful. But if the conflict is just creating more antagonism, then uh, yeah, it's probably not a skillful response to the situation. And it's not something that an arahant would do, it's just a um, a meditative state. Now, as you get more and more meditative, you're going to incline more and more towards the monastic life. So eventually, it's going to get very, very difficult to to live at home. One example is um, this uh, man who became an anagami, and so he had this sort of difficulty. He didn't. He he wasn't at all accustomed to how to deal with people after becoming an anagami. It wasn't that he was deluded or anything, but he, uh, he, he wasn't, he didn't have a, a response or a means of dealing with, a means of interacting with people. Um, and he, he may not have had any desire to, to, to find the response to interact with them because when he came home, he, he went to listen to the Buddha's teaching, became an anagami, came back home and his wife was waiting for him at the door and he just walked right past her and uh, w without saying hello, without giving the usual embrace and sat down at the at the table to eat his dinner and he ate dinner in silence and then he went upstairs and he lay down on the floor to sleep um, wouldn't even get into bed with her and uh, as a result she was totally overwhelmed and, and, and distraught by this unable to, 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 to cope with this and he knew that 
this was no good. He, he, he then realized, he said, if I don't tell her, she's probably going to go crazy or freak out or, or even kill herself or something. Because she was really freaked out by this, which, understandably, you know, when someone changes so completely, so drastically. But it's a situation where he could get away with this because there wasn't, you know, she, she had no support but him. So he could shock her in this way to bring her around. You know, maybe without even intending it, but the situation allowed for it, so that once she was freaked out, he was able to um, to pass the dhamma on, on along to her. She he then said, "Look, here's how it is. I've listened to the Buddha's teaching, and uh, have now given up all attachment to sensual pleasures." Um, I'm happy to stay with you and I'll treat you as a brother, as I'll treat you as a sister if you want uh, and if you choose to find another husband I will certainly not object. So he gave her complete freedom and, and try you know use that to reassure her. As a result she her response to this was to ask him whether women could also practice this teaching of the Buddha and and, and become uh, realize it for themselves and he said yeah sure anyone can maybe he didn't say it like that but he said yes anyone can and so she asked him if she could go to the monastery and he took her to see the Buddha I think and um, I can't remember whether she became an arahant at first or she became a bhikkhuni but, but she actually asked to ordain he didn't ordain he stayed at home and continued to live as a layperson and she ordained as a bhikkhuni and either before or after that became an arahant and there's a sutta, the Tulavedala Sutta that's attributed to her and her conversation, later conversation with her husband her name was Dhammadinna, no, no was it? was it Dhammadinna? I think it was and her husband was, yes, and her husband was Visaka and so there's a, this conversation between the two of them is recorded in Zipitika. So, in certain cases, the conflict can be useful. Um, but I'm assuming you're not an anagami, and uh, you know you might want to take it slowly and cautiously, so that you don't create too much disruption, because that again can get in your way. It can create resentment and negativity towards the Buddha's teaching, which is very harmful for people. You don't want people to have a bad impression of meditation and meditators. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's not your fault, but you might want to be a little bit skillful about it, at least until you are able to find a life style that allows you to be alo aloof and, and meditative without creating conflict. <laughs>